Hey, welcome along. Here we are. Hey, it's Show Talk. I'm James Watt, and I've got a bit of a treat for you today. Uh, I've got a real legend of rock and roll, Tommy Steele, been in the business for, what, 60 years odd now, and I caught up with him and had a big, long chat for us here at Show Talk. Don't forget to subscribe, and here he is. I have got living legend, Tommy Steele. Hello. Hello there. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, cause you, um, you, we're, you're claiming, and let, let's go with it, you're the first pop star, aren't you? That's right. Yes, right. The first pop star in this country, yeah. yeah. 19, it was uh, August 1956, and um, I was, I'd been in the Navy, and I'd played guitar. And re- I think you have to remember that around about 1950 on to 1958, you could only buy a guitar in one one shop in London. I mean, it, it was not a known instrument. It was a, It was a sailor's instrument or a cowboy's instrument. Yeah. And I was in the Navy at age 15, and in the five years that I spent in the Navy, I got to love playing country music, but I couldn't play it. I had to find some idiot that played guitar that could stand there for an hour playing, you know, yeah. country songs. And then this fellow said, I'm not going to play with you anymore. He said, I don't like country music. Go and learn to play the guitar yourself. He said, I'll teach you the, teach you the chords. Yeah. And he taught me to play country chords, which are very simple chords. And... Uh, all of a sudden, I'm 19, I'm on a ship, we're in a place called Norfolk, Virginia, for sort of fit-ups in America, and there was a show that night called the, uh, the live show called the Grand Ole Opry Travelling Show. Oh, right, yeah. So for me, I'm now a country singer, I've got to go and see the real thing. And off I went to this little town hall, there was this little stage in the middle of the floor, and onto this stage came these different country singers singing yeah, country yeah. music, yeah. which I was in my element. And then all of a sudden, this fella came on the stage, about six foot tall, big horn rim glasses, a couple of musicians behind him, started to sing country music. <laughs> Lovely. You know? Then all of a sudden, the band went... <laughs> and this rhythm changed. And he started to sing to this... And I was amazed. And I came out and I said to one of the people, what's that? He said, well, that's rockabilly. He says, he, he's a kid that's playing this new thing called Rockabilly. He's called Buddy Holly. <laughs> and he's a country singer playing this new thing. So I love rock, Rockabilly. The Billy was the hillbilly. Yeah, yeah. They're all country singers. So, off, sorry, that's my band playing. <laughs> so anyway, off we, off we go to New York. Five days later, I'm in New York. And I hear a song being played called Blue Suede Shoes. Rock and roll. Yeah. So I've got to get the sheet music. Five days later, I'm in London in a coffee bar singing this song. And no one had heard of it before because in those days, songs didn't travel that quickly. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, the following Wednesday, I was recording at Decca Studios. You were, just, you were just spotted in this coffee bar? I just went in there to sing the song and have a cup of coffee and sing this song that I knew. You know, this rock and roll song that no one had ever heard before. What's that song? It's called Rockabilly or Rock and Roll. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? And then, and then, did that become a? Because as it was the beginning of, of pop, of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew what was going on. No idea. Absolutely. Not. I mean, um, it, it it hit. Remember, television was new, mm-hmm. so there was no television shows. There was television news, country things, and all that. There was no shows, and I went on television after about five days, and did a thing called Off the Record. Oh, yeah. They were just starting to bring music. And, and this fellow came on, this, this conductor, in, in a white towel suit, 
and he said, uh, we now have this boy, Tommy Steele, who's going to sing Rock With The Caveman. Personally, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> now, that, was, that was my introduction to television. That was in 1956. And then, because you did a lot of rock and roll, but then you, you kind of you went more TV, movies, and yeah, yeah. into the musicals a bit more. Yes, yeah. All purely by chance. None of it was planned. It was just um, <clears throat> being a, 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 a big name in the teenagers' lives. In 1957, I'd now been in the business six months. Yeah. Someone said, you must do a pantomime because everybody does pantomime. Yeah. All right. I'd never seen a pantomime. So I said, yeah. And they said, we're going to go to Liverpool and you're going to be at the Royal Court Theatre and it's uh, whatever, I forget it was now. And... Um, you're going to play at Buttons. It was like a button. It wasn't yeah. a button. And I walked into this rehearsal studio. I'm like, I've never been to a rehearsal studio in my life. And there was these people sitting around with scripts and the director came up and he said, right, he said, the first thing he said is you're going to sing with the ensemble in the opening number. So I said, yes. He said, and it'll be a show tune. This is Russian. <laughs> I, no idea. He said, and then in the second act, he said, you're going to do a love song with the leading lady and you're going to kiss. And in the end, you're going to do a spot on your own where you're going to do uh, with a straw bar, straw hat and cane. Yeah. And you won't need that, he said, pointing at my guitar that I was holding on to for dear life. He said, you're not going to play that, he says. So this is a... And I realised that day that it was a musical. Yeah. Pantomime is musical. You sing, you dance, you tell a story. I loved it, and I said, I want to do this. I, I love the, singing these songs and dancing, and I want to find someone that can teach me to do these things. And within a couple of years, I was working with Rodgers and Hammerstein, and I was working with Harold Fielding, and then I did Half a Sixpence, and that took me to Broadway. Wow. I mean, I mean Half a Sixpence, I mean, it's still, you know, <laughs> it's your signature tune, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, Flashbang, Wallop, Flash and the rest of it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then... Uh, what did that feel like to be... You, you were king. You were absolute king mm. of the castle, weren't you, yeah, at that but, point? But you don't know it. Mm-hmm. You, the, you know, you, you never realise it in this business. I mean, if you went around... It was just, that's what happens. Yeah. Someone comes along and says, I've written a musical for you. And you think, oh, that's nice. I, I remember when I did, for Harold Fielding, who, go, who did Half a Sixpence with me, a couple of years before, I'd done Cinderella mm-hmm. at the Coliseum, which was this mammoth musical of Cinderella. And I went to, to America, New York, to work with Rodgers and Hammerstein. And uh, I, I'd heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein, but I didn't know I was in the presence of the Almighty's, you know. And um, I knew absolutely nothing about show business at all. I, I'm now going into a Rodgers and Hammerstein show and I'm going to meet the two gods. And I arrive in Madison Avenue and there's this great big fella waiting for me outside the lift. He said, you're late, are you still? I said, yes. He said, you're late. He said, come and we get in the lift and we're in the lift I'm in with this lift with this giant I mean he's six, seven, eight feet tall he's enormous and he says to me as the lift is going up and he said uh, what do you think's more important he said the music or the lyrics I had no idea what he was talking about so I said well, I don't know what he said the lyrics he said do you know why I said no he said the lyrics he says are the whole reason for singing the song in the first place I'm like, I thought I'll put that in the computer Right, lyrics are important, right. We stop, he says, he's waiting for you down there. And he pointed down this alleyway, alleyway, this corridor, and there 
Richard Rogers on the door. And I walk in and there's Richard Rogers sitting at the piano. I said, you must be the late Tommy Steele. So I said, yes. I said, I'm very sorry. I said, the cab was this. He said, let me ask you a question. What's more important, the music or the lyrics? I said, the lyrics. He said, well, he said, Hammerstein got here first. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and I don't even know who I'm talking to. <laughs> and that was what it was like. My whole career has been happenstance, luck. Being being able to do it does come into it, but being being enabled to do it is important. When someone says, I'd like you to do something. And it's those phone calls, those knocks on the door that I've had in my career that's been so fortunate because I've been given some wonderful things to do. Now, you've been doing it for, for a few years. Yeah. How many years is it now? Nearly been... 60 now. I think for, why, because, why are you doing it? Because there was a, a documentary, must have been 30 years ago, about an old trapeze artist. And they'd gone to interview him in his caravan. And... He'd just had an accident on the high wire. His act was a bike going along high wire with two people on the handlebars, one person on his shoulder and one person standing at the back on a bike going up. And he'd had an accident about 10 years earlier when his wife was maimed and his two sons were killed. But then he put the act together again a couple of years later and then he did it with two two daughters, a niece, and another member of the family. It also crashed, and he lost one and crippled another. So now it's now seven or eight years later, and he's in this caravan, and he's sitting there being interviewed. And they said to him, but Mr. wherever he was, I think he was Russian, why, what are you doing here? He said, I'm getting an act together, we're gonna go back up on the wire, I've got another five people. And they said to him, but why do you do it? And he said, because to be on the wire is to live. The rest is waiting. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And that's the answer that I give when people ask about me being in show business. Why do I keep doing it? Because to live is to be on the stage. I mean, it, I love it. You have to You have to be on stage. You have to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's like a drug, really. It's like talking to you, doing a television show, doing a film. Yeah. If something comes along that is exciting and that's meaningful and it's showbiz, mm -hmm. I talk about it all day long. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's me. I, I, I've done it, as I say, 60 years now. And there hasn't been one moment in that time that I've regretted it because, I, of course, I've been very lucky. But also, I've, I've taken it with both hands. And cuddled it. Yeah. Know? This is wonderful. I get the impression you're never going to stop, are you? No, no. You, you get stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it voluntarily. No, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going until I can't get to a stage door. If I can get through the stage door, that means I can get to a dressing room. And if I can get into a dressing room, I can get onto a stage. That's me. Right. Great to talk to you. Sure, thanks. And there we have him, Tommy Steele. Oh, yes, half a sixpence. Uh, OK, that's it for this one. Uh, do subscribe, and there's more on the way here at Show Talk, the podcast. It is a radio show as well. Search out showtalk.biz. We'll tell us where and when you get added music on those. Uh, but the podcast, download any time. I'm James Watt, and I'll catch you again pretty soon. <laughs>